Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. This morning on the third hour of today, soaring into the history books. Simone Biles breaking the record for all-around gold medalist in the U.S. Gymnastics Championship. And two-time gold medalist Lori Hernandez is here with the high-flying highlights. Plus, the countdown is on for the 2024 Paris Paralympics. And we've got the co-captain of the U.S. wheelchair rugby team, Chuck Aoki, live in studio. And those beloved pandas have greeted visitors for more than two decades at the National Zoo. But now, they're heading back to China. Why they're moving and their epic send-off in Washington, D.C. And later, back-to-school shopping's in full gear. But what's it gonna cost? We have the numbers for you from supplies to school lunches. Today, Monday, August 28, 2023. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to the third hour of today. I'm Al, along with Mr. Melvin. We've got our good buddies Jill Martin and Jacob Soberoff in here while Chanel and Dylan are enjoying a little time off. We thank you for your your joining us on a Monday morning. So uh, let's uh, get caught up on our weekend. Yes. Okay. How was your, your weekend? I, solid weekend. Mm-hmm. I was in uh, uh, western Pennsylvania, a little town called Norvelt. It's outside Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we are. Look at the gang. That's so sure. Lindsay's grandmother. Grandma V. Grandma V. You know Grandma Oh, v. yeah. Grandma V celebrated her 95th birthday. Oh, my God. Wow. So there's Lens and Grandma V. We wore and the bows, boa. Bows and tutus. So we celebrated 95 years of, of, of living. Yes. Quite, quite, quite the celebration. Oh, she, 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 she enjoys life. She does. I love she does enjoy life. life. It looks great. Uh, it looks fantastic. Mr. Mr. Oh, Mr. Silberoff? Uh... I, I, ran, I, a, I ran a half marathon. It, it, I'm like, I'm, just oh, gosh. Just we're going to show this. No, it's embarrassing. And it's the first and last time shirtless uh, on national television. Fast oh. forward oh. it. Look at Fast you. forward it. But we made it. And that's Barnett, my uh, college roommate. He is the all-time best. He waited for me at the finish line. He was about 30 seconds ahead of me, and he waited for me before we crossed. That's Noah funny. and Arthur, our boys were there, uh, our wives, the families. It was great. That's, really that's really nice. Yeah. yeah do you Jill? feel okay? Yeah, I mean, it might fall asleep on you or something, but <laughs> no worries. Great. Yeah, thank you. Look you. Good. How about you? Um, How was your weekend? My husband um, is turning 57. Yeah, all right. Um, and we, you know, are going through a lot and he has been my rock. So we are oh. celebrating for a week. Nice. So we did hibachi mm. and Carvel night, <laughs> oh. um, which was amazing. And just uh, a few family members and friends. And it was really nice. And, you know, it comes to a whole new level when you have someone there for you during a difficult time yes. and what he's been doing. So mm. we are celebrating him. And his biggest fan is my mother, who you oh. just saw. And, That's oh, and Mr. Roker. And what, also, what was really sweet was getting you getting to see you run the Olympic torch. <laughs> You know what? That was a plus in his birthday. I mean, because it's such a 57. You were able to pull that off. Yes. And and you, I I saw cooking shots. Yeah, we did. Uh, Yeah, it was a quiet weekend. You know, Nick's at his second week in college. And so we're just by, and I uh, I did a, a little pork belly. Uh, from a great little uh, as one uh, does on the little, little yep. farm called yeah. Raven and Boar uh, up in uh, the Hudson Valley, and that's what little... you call a quiet weekend. Yeah, you know, we did some smash burgers and some uh, uh, little salmon and some, bur- uh, some hot dogs. It was a feast. Chicken, not a quiet you know? weekend. It was just me and Deborah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
accident to make dinner for two. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, your weekend as well. I'll tell you who had a great weekend. Yeah. Simone Biles. Yeah. Women's gymnastics over the weekend, in case you missed it. The GOAT goaded again. Uh, she won Bro. her eighth national all-around title at the U.S. Gymnastics Championships in San Jose. At just 26 years old, Simone is the first American gymnast, male or female, to achieve this incredible feat. She wowed the crowds over the two-day competition. Whoa. Hmm. Joining us now to break it all down, NBC sports gymnastics analyst and two-time Olympic medalist herself, Lawyer Hernandez. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, first of all, kudos to even being back. You took the red eye. You were there to see Simone in person in San Jose pull it off. What was it like being, being in that arena? Oh, the energy was electric. I think especially after COVID, being able to see so many people in the audience, it was so exciting, not just for us to watch, but also for the athletes to really get that energy reciprocated back to them. And of course, Simone is phenomenal. Not only were there signs saying like, go Simone, good luck Simone, (laughs) but there were also signs that said, thank you, Simone, just acknowledging her journey and and everything that she's done so far. I thought that was awesome. As someone who has walked the walk, what happens now? Is there time for Simone to sort of revel in the the accomplishments here? Because you have world championships coming up you have a selection camp coming up what's what's next for her I think there's a lot of hard work. (laughs) I don't know about rest. um, And I don't know about any training plans. However, I do know that, as you mentioned, World Championships is coming up in the fall season. So that is definitely something that we're going to want to look forward to because the competitions that we're seeing here at Nationals, at World Championships, we're going to see those familiar faces next year during the Olympics. So... It's important. Yeah, boy, that's for sure. So, so Simone perfected this, this vault skill known as uh, the Yurchenko double pike vault, performed it on uh, night one, but not on night two. So what's the complexity of this? You, you know about this and especially given the, the, the lights, the eyeballs, the pressure. You know, and she went through that whole thing with the twisty something you know about. What was this list like for her, Lori? Yeah, I mean, I think her reasoning for doing the Yurchenko double pike on night one, but not night two, it really is just strategy. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Mm -hmm. That vault takes such an impact on the body. I mean, you have to be strong enough to brace for the impact of hitting the table so that way you can be high enough to add that extra flip and then brace for landing. So there's no reason to do that twice in a row when you know you've practically stuck it on night one. You've to- you've shown everyone yeah. that you can do it. What's so yeah, I think that's <laughs> she said, I'm there. good. I she did said, it I'm once. good. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> Before we let you go, um, there was a moment when Jordan Childs fell and you saw Simone Biles just cheering on the side, even though they're in competition. We talked a little bit in the green room about yeah. sort of the 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 line between rooting and competing and what what were your thoughts on that i thought it was such a wonderful moment that was shared between these two and the way that simone had asked do you, do you want me to stand in the corner which one do you want me at you can tell that that conversation has taken place many times just in practice right so to be able to take familiarity out onto the competition floor simone knows how important it is jordan knows how important it is and it's just these two fantastic athletes showing up for each other i mm. think that's that's something that we can all look up to but it's, it's also it seems like it's one of the hallmarks of that team in general yeah. for yeah. years now and you I mean you were part of it it seems like you guys are always like that the sportsmanship is everything there's a lot of pressure on that floor you just want to show up and you want everybody to do their best yeah. all right you, well it's time for you to go she said I'm getting in the, the car I'm taking off my makeup and I'm going to bed she has not slept no it is she's really like your Chenko double pike vault <laughs> That's right. oh I can't do that <laughs> thank you Lori thanks have a nice day great seeing you Lori 
Well, we're going to turn to some of the other headlines we're following this morning, including the weather. Tropical Storm Adalia, what we're keeping an eye out for right now, churning toward Florida. As you look at the storm's path, it makes its way as a Category 3 storm, possibly making landfall as that, uh, sometimes Wednesday afternoon. And it is going to be bringing strong winds, heavy rain, upwards of 12 inches into the panhandle, tropical forest winds, and we can't rule out tornadoes as we move on into tomorrow, into Wednesday as well. So we'll be watching this very closely, guys. So typically with storms like this, it's either the wind, it's the rain, it's for this particular storm. Storm surge is going to be the thing we're worried most about. Some places could see upwards of a nine-foot wall of water, but you've got these strong winds. You've got torrential downpours in the in the panhandle, which will probably cause flooding, but also the tornado risk is something that we really have to watch out for. Okay, okay how about this, guys? This is one that we were all talking about and very saddened by, the passing of the beloved host of The Price is Right at the age of 99. The news of Bob Barker's death came on Saturday. His publicist said Barker died of natural causes at his home in the Hollywood Hills. He was a fixture on television for half a century. He taped more than, it's almost hard to believe, 5,000 shows throughout his career and winning 19 different Emmys, as well as a spot in the television Hall of Fame. He even showcased his talents right here on our Plaza with you, Mr. Roker. That's right. Ah. He did a week of classic game shows, and, and he was here. And, you know, just the, the, the consummate gentleman, but also the consummate broadcaster, you know, and you saw why he was on for so long and so much a part of our lives. As Kristen said uh, earlier, uh, he was the official host of sick days. Yeah. 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 Stay yeah. home from school sick That's days. That's so true. You know, so and, of many, many mornings. Yeah. And he also had such a love for animals. Yes. Yes. And that yep. was a really big part of his life. So, yes. Help be control missed. the pet and, population. Right. Have yes. your pet spayed or neutered. At the end of every show. And speaking of pets, well, now to a major move for one of Washington, D.C.'s most popular and beloved attractions. Maybe not a pet, but the giant pandas at the National Zoo are returning to China in December after 23 years in the U.S. Tian Tian and Mei Shang came to D.C. in 2000 as part of a conservation and breeding partnership with China. During that time, the duo gave birth to a son whose arrival was documented on live Pandacam that drew millions of viewers. That live Pandacam, I could just sit there and watch. <laughs> the Smithsonian is planning a Pandapalooza that will run from the end of September through the beginning of October. And I believe this is live Pandacam right here, Al? Uh, I don't know. We're not sure. Yeah. No, I don't think so. This is video. Oh, but this is really good video. (laughs) It's not live, but it's 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 memory. They're not in the live spot right now. But if they were, they might be doing. It makes me feel alive. All right. There you go. Can you can you tell the difference between the two? Me? No, I didn't. Irrevocably, or what did I say earlier today? I don't know. No one can. By the way, that's always been one of my favorite parts of the band. It's like no one knows which one's which. We probably have a pause button for the show. Pause. Look at that. School bells ringing again. What's it going to cost you for back-to-school shopping? Our Brian Chung's going to break down all the numbers for us. And then 60 years ago, hundreds of thousands gathering at the Lincoln Memorial, including one young girl who had a front-row seat to history. Craig got a chance to sit down with her six decades later on Living Out Dr. King's Dream. You must see this story as the third hour of today continues. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. 
We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back with our series, By the Numbers, Back to School Edition. This month, nearly a quarter of the U.S. population will return to the classroom. The other three quarters will be going, yay! <laughs> students who need to stock up on everything from backpacks, pencils, and lunchboxes. Here to break down all the numbers, NBC News business and data correspondent Brian Chung. Good to see you, sir. Hey, good morning. So, uh, so it, it appears that the uh, uh, we've been shopping since July <laughs> for these school items, yeah. and we've been talking about this. So break down these numbers. Hey, kids are amped up, but parents that have to spend all that money, maybe not so much. I've got some numbers for you here. Okay. $41.5 billion with a B. That's how much it's going to uh, cost overall for all of the back-to-school spending to bring your kid uh, back into the classrooms, back into the college classrooms. Now, uh, if we break it down by family level, so mm-hmm. kids K through 12, it's going to cost about $890 per family. That's for all of the kids on right. average. If okay. you're sending someone to college, it's going to be almost double that, almost $1,400. You're thinking mm. shower caddies. You're right. thinking all the bed sets. Microwave fridge. Mi- microwave fridge. Yep, we exactly. just got one of the two oh, of those. You know something yeah. about that. And then lastly here, though, uh, uh, families say that 43% of them, at least, will be spending more on new items. So they'll mm. need to get things like laptops, right. things like uh, maybe a tablet in some cases. Those are large expenditures as well, which really adds up to that pretty eye-popping number. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian, back to school, of course. Which means uh, time to pack those lunches as well. So what do we need to know about about food? Yeah, well, just, you know, feeding the young ones is going to be expensive as well. 4.9%, that's how much inflation has led to a rise in prices for uh, food costs. Now, there are some items that have gotten cheaper, some things that have gotten more expensive. Uh, Milk, on the the positive side, has been down 3% over the last year. But take a look at apples and lunch meat. These are real classics for your average meal up almost 8% and over 4% uh, respectively. Now, for what's worth, a lot of school cafeterias, they do subsidize those costs. Sure. $3 is the average cost there. That's the there. average cost now. It's the average cost now. Mm. Of course, it's going to, you know, mileage yeah. will vary depending on what school district you're in. Uh, but college is very expensive. Those Oof. meal plans, they that get, meal plan. they add up $670 a month just yeah. for that. A month? A yeah. month, on oh, average. Yeah. Oh, on average. Six, seven. Depends on what yeah. school you're And that's going an to, average. You know, the private schools Jeez. are going to get a little fancier. All right. So. Serving lobster? <laughs> Rumor has it. <laughs> in some cases, maybe. Brian, you got some numbers for teachers. Yes, that's right. 3.2 million. That's how many teachers uh, we have in our public school system. That's according to the NCES. Uh, it's important to note that they're really financially crunched right now. I'll walk you through yeah. the numbers right here. Uh, 66,000 is the average public school salary. A lot of teachers are making 
less than that. And it's important to remember, as we talk about back to school spending, that 90% of teachers are actually paying out of pocket. Out of their own pocket. Out of their own pocket. Wow. Because in some cases, there have been budget cuts. It's really tough for them. Now, that's according to the NEA. And then $820 is the estimated spend out of pocket per teacher. These are our, teachers, our teachers. Our teachers. Our kids. Yes. The ones that are trying to help out yeah. the next God generation. Bless them. So if you do have the extra budget, maybe try to ask your teacher, hey, is there anything else that I can do to help out mm-hmm. to make sure uh, maybe we can get that number? That's right. It's always good to ask that. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Go ahead. And before we let you go, hello. <laughs> hey. Nostalgia. I yes. saw Trapper Keeper and that yeah. was my dream. Oh, I've got some fun. Yeah, so some fun numbers for you here to end on. So 45,000, that's how many words you'll get Per pencil. Well, if you write, you know, depending on how efficient oh, you are, right? right? Before you end up having to, re- to switch it up. A Trapper Keepers, throwback to 1980s, introduced in 1981. It was $4.95 at the time. These days, I just checked, they have a retro version now, $11. So inflation wow. is being felt. And then $130 million at the box office for combined uh, what was grossed by two iconic classroom uh Films that's Mean Girls and then also yep. School of Rock. Oh. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't sit with us. Uh, last number here that I have here: seventy-nine point five million dollars. That's how, or seventy-five, seventy-nine point five million. That's how many are going back to school, not necessarily a dollar sign right here. Oh. Um, that's how many are going back to school. Uh, for this season. Speaking of back to school, a lot of kids get sneakers and you're yeah, rocking yeah, your Pharrell Adidas. Right now. Yep. He has the matching socks. Yeah, I have the matching socks too. You know, you got like, to keep it in the feet. Those pants are also right? dope. You get oh, the tapered they... pants on. You're doing it. What's my fashion segment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to school fashion to coming up tomorrow. Ready to go. Uh, in the Brian, meantime. Brian Chung, thanks so much, buddy. Good job. Beautiful. Up next, six decades ago today, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered that unforgettable I Have a Dream speech and one young girl was captured in a photo who some call the face of the March on Washington. I got the chance to find out from her what it was like that historic day. Also, still ahead, the countdown is on for the 2024 Paris Paralympics. And we've got not one, not two, but three-time medalist yes. and wheelchair Woo! rugby player Chuck Aoki live in studio. We'll spend some time with Chuck <laughs> when we come back. Third out today, right back after this. And welcome back on this Monday morning. Today marks 60 years since the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, where some 250,000 people gathered at the Lincoln Memorial to push for racial and social equality. And of course, to listen to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as he laid out his dream for our country. There was one photo of a little girl that has been called the face of the March on Washington, but no one knew who she was until recently. So I was in a position where I'm looking in this direction and Dr. King and the other guests as they were speaking. They were speaking there. Edith Lee Payne had a literal front row seat to history. And for her, it was extra special. It was obviously the March on Washington, but for you, it was, it was something else as well. It was a big day. It was my 12th birthday. Edith traveled by bus with her mom, Dorothy, from Detroit to Washington. Arriving early, she wiggled her way to a barrier up front. The newly minted 12-year-old diligently took in the speakers and entertainers who performed for the massive crowd of 250,000 people. I remember Peter, Paul, and Mary because I listened to them at home. I remembered very vividly Mahalia Jackson. But Dr. King was the person that I was there for, and I think most of the people were there for. Dr. King starts to speak. What do you remember about about that particular moment? I always say this, you could hear a pin drop. In the middle of that famous speech, a government photographer, Roland Sherman, 
turned away from the reverend and spotted young Edith. Did you notice that, that there was a photographer taking your picture? I did not. That pennant ended up stapled to a school presentation. The march, a highlight she had to share. The dream Dr. King preached felt real to Edith. I lived the dream that Dr. King spoke of. I went to integrated schools and lived in an integrated neighborhood. That was until she moved farther south and looked for a job. And for the first time, felt judged by the color of her skin. Sometimes when they would see this black woman get off the elevator or come into the office, I would be told, I don't think you'll like this job. Edith became a civil rights activist in her local community long before she realized she was an iconic image in civil rights history. It wasn't until 2008 when a cousin spotted her picture on a calendar. I kind of chuckled and said, why would my picture be on a black history calendar? That photo, part of the National Archives. That expression says, I'm here for business. Dr. Colleen Shogun is archivist of the United States. Why do you think that, that this particular photo has resonated with so many for so long? It shows uh, a young girl uh, who's witnessing the march. Uh, so there's, there's a individuality about it, but also it's capturing a historic day and time. While this one photo of Edith has been published worldwide, it's these that are her favorites. That's my mom. That's mom. Yeah, it's like my mom always had my back. Mm -hmm. What do you think mom would say about all this? She would probably cry, which is what I'm trying not to do. <laughs> but she would say that she was proud, as am I. I think we all are. As you come back 60 years later, what goes through your mind? We have more work to do. There's more to be done. But that's, that's how you honor him every single day make a commitment to make a difference in somebody's life to make it better amen to that mm -hmm. edith. Uh, by the way the march was not the first time that edith had heard that i have a dream refrain because her mother dorothy took her to dr king's uh, march in detroit a few months before the march on washington that's where apparently dr king was uh was testing some of the same language so when he started saying that refrain in washington She's like, oh, I've, I've heard that before. Right. And you see those, the, the pic, that picture of her and her eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, a, that's an old soul there. That's mm -hmm. somebody who knows why. Like she said, I was there to go to work. Yep. And now she's still using that word. And the, the fact that the photographer had the, just sort of the wherewithal. As yeah. Dr. King speaking, he turns, he sees this little girl. He's like, oh, this, yeah. this is the emotion that I yeah. want to convey to oh, the gosh. world. A living legend. A living yeah, legend. Yeah, it would just matter. That amazing. That Thank amazing. you, Miss Edith. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, still ahead, we're just one year out from the 2024 Paris Paralympics. We're going to catch up with Paralympian Chuck Aoki, wheelchair rugby player whose inspiration extends way beyond the court. Third hour today. Chuck. <laughs> yes, sir. You guys, we are back with an exciting countdown. Today marks one year until the 2024 Paris Paralympics where more than 4,000 athletes across 22 different sports will come together in absolutely fierce competition. And this morning, we are so lucky to have Chuck Aoki, three-time Paralympic medalist and co-captain of the U.S. Wheelchair Rugby National Team. Yeah. Join us, Chuck. Good morning. Chuck, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here. By the way, already sporting some hardware. You got your bronze. Yep. And your silver from previous Paralympics. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you've competed in what? The last three, right? Last three, correct. So yep. what, is a, what does a typical day of training look like for you? Yeah, so right now is kind of the, the grind time, you know, the, the very boring but important work we're doing. So it's waking up in the morning, getting a lift on, getting to the gym, coming back, eating. I eat a lot. A lot of food is consumed. <laughs> a lot of calories go down. Uh, going out, training, uh, pushing my chair, sprints, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's basically it's a, full, it's a full-time gig right now. Well, we talked about your hardware a little bit from past, but you were heading into Paris. Yes. So what is the mindset going in? I asked you in the break if you've started learning French. Right. Uh, Un petit. Un petit. (laughs) J'apprends la française. See? Perfect. Um, Merci beaucoup. So, yeah. So, no, it's, um, it's, you know, our goal is to win a gold medal. But a big thing we talk about in elite athletics is you really got to focus on the process, the journey, not to do my way, Cyrus, but the climb. It's not about the journey. Um, So you really try to work on that more than the outcome and the outcome will take care of itself if you do the do the work you need to do on the way to get there. So, so uh, Chuck, you've got a lot of new members on the team and as co-captain, what's what's your role there? And what do you what do you hope to accomplish as you as you bring these team members together? Yeah, I think, you know, being a leader is something that I, I take very seriously. And it's a you know a huge honor to be captain of Team USA. That's really something I don't take lightly. And so I think a big goal of mine is, you know, to teach young athletes what it means to be an elite athlete, what it means to compete and what it means to represent your country, you know, because that's something that you don't just do on the court, you do off the court. Yeah. It's when you're meeting your friends, you're talking to the media, wherever you are, you are a member of Team mm-hmm. USA, you're representing us wherever you go. And that means holding yourself in a certain way. So it's something I try to impart to our, our Gen Z teammates as much <laughs> yeah. as I can. You said, Chuck, in the past that when you were growing up, you did not know a lot of athletes who were in wheelchairs. Yeah. And you've taken that, you've turned it into quite the passion. You work with a lot of young people yeah. in adaptive sports. What do you want them to know? You know, if I could tell like my younger self or a young disabled athlete today, I think the biggest thing I always say to them is it gets better because growing up with disability can be hard. You know, it's really challenging. There's days where you're frustrated. You don't want to be disabled. You want to just be like all the other kids. But the reality is that you'll find a passion in your life. You'll find something you love and something you want to be a part of as much as anything else. And you can get into it and you'll become successful. You can travel the world. You can represent your country. You can really achieve anything. Um, so it gets better. So it's something I try to tell young people all the time. You talk, Chuck, about your Gen Z teammates. The reality is you have been a part of the Paralympic movement for, for quite some time now. When you look back and you look at where we're at today, how have you seen the change over the years? Yeah, it's been really incredible to see the change over the years. I think when it started, you know, quite frankly, Paralympics were a bit of an afterthought. It was like, oh, that's right. There's the Olympics and that other thing. What is it called again? The Paralympics? Like there's all this very confused language. But, you know, today we're seeing it. It's a nationwide phenomenon. It's a worldwide phenomenon. People all over the world know these incredible names. You're seeing brands, sponsors, TV coverage. And it's really just this, it's, it's entering a transformational moment, which I think is so incredible because not only does it teach the world about it, but it transforms a lot. You know, sure. It gives people the opportunity, like, I can do that. I can achieve that. I can be like those athletes. And most importantly, as we were saying earlier, the competition is fierce. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. to watch you guys are yeah, incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chuck, for being here. Best of luck to you. Thank yeah, you. We're going to see yep. you in Paris. See in Paris. That's we'll right. See you in yeah. Paris. And yeah. everybody, make sure to mark your calendars. One year from today, you can catch all the action at the Paris Paralympics right here on NBC and, of course, on Peacock as well. Merci. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Okay. I'll have you read the T's in French next year. Up next, New York Times bestseller Jason Reynolds is here to tell us about his new book that might help young readers going through a tough time at home when we're back on the third hour of today. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. 
Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Join me, Esther Perel, every Monday in my office on Where Should We Begin? I'm talking to couples and individuals about love and work, about turning conflict into connection. More than ever, our relationships define the quality of our lives. So let's explore the myriad of relational challenges together. See you Monday. We're back with New York Times bestseller and award-winning author Jason Reynolds. Reynolds has penned some of the most popular writings for young readers, from poetry to prose. And now he's out with the sequel to his middle-grade novel, Stump Boy, In Between Time. (laughs) It's all about Portico Reeves, a kid who envisions himself as the greatest young superhero you've never heard of. (laughs) And he relies on imagination and friendships while coming to terms with his folks' divorce. And Jason joins us now. Jason, Jason. good to meet you. Good morning. Good Good morning. morning. So what's so great about this book is that you really address topics in a very important but subtle way that kids can understand and actually based off of your life as well, starting with divorce. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, when I was a Portico's age, a 10-year-old, my parents split up And it's a strange experience, right? Because you feel a bit of guilt, you feel some confusion, and it's your first time grappling with wanting to save the people you love more than anything, which are your folks, right? And and I also was an anxious kid, uh, and so that sort of exacerbated my emotions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wanted to talk about that for young people dealing with it today. I do have to go ahead, please. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say you you address a few important topics in that book, including anxiety. So there's there's anxiety. There's there's divorce. And and in this particular uh, volume of the book, the second the second one, uh, we're also sort of addressing accountability, responsibility, imagination. Uh, all those things are, are important. You know, looking at the, these these illustrations by Roll the Third is just the book is beautiful and and really powerful. And yet, there's this something about this young man that I think, besides the drawings, there's something about him himself that these kids can relate to. What what, what do you feel that draws them to him? I mean, you know, I think that first of all, the feeling of being a, of wanting to be a superhero. Mm is something that I think all of us yes. uh, mm-hmm. secretly want to do, right? What would it be like to be able to fly? For some kids, what would it be like to be able to disappear, mm. right? What would it be like to be stronger and braver uh, and to be able to save myself, let alone the people around me? Um, and I th- so when, when they look at Portico, I think they see themselves because he's just a normal kid yeah. doing normal kid things, you know? I love that you write for this particular age group. And in fact, my son's got your, your first book. He's got Stump Boy. You make a distinction, between children and literacy and children and literature. Mm. Ex- explain that distinction and why it's so important. I think we, uh, you know, teachers, our educational system here, we focus so much on literature. Mm-hmm. We want our young people to read literature, uh, to, to be human beings with um, a breadth of knowledge as it pertains to literature. And I think that's okay. I just think that we're skipping a step. Uh, and I think we've been so focused on literature that we're skipping the ideas around literacy, which, mm. are, which I would argue are more important 
right? I'd be bold enough to say are more important than literature mm. because if you if you are illiterate or underliterate, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter what books we give you. It doesn't matter what stories yeah. we offer you. You won't have a relationship you with language, and therefore, life will be very complicated for you. You're right. It's such a good point. Whether you're whether you're focused on literacy or literature, young adult um, fiction, nonfiction. Um, you're an adult reading the book bans and that debate has been hard to miss. And some of your own books have landed on those lists. I wonder how you you process this. You think about this and, and actually even for young children to think about what we're talking about here. I mean, you know, for me, I think I, I process it many ways. Uh, these days I'm, I'm processing it by, by focusing on the ones the, the, the human beings who are fighting on the front lines. I get to be upset about it. Right. Because this is my art and, and it's frustrating and I don't quite understand what's going on. And the fear bothers me. The fear of information, the fear of imagination is a scary thing. But I also think that sometimes we can get a little precious when I say we, I mean the writers uh, and I think we should probably put some extra energy behind the librarians and the teachers uh, yes. and the parents who are fighting on behalf of us and our children to make sure they have access. Well, you're, speaking of the here. parents, Isabel, we know you're watching. Thank you so much. And Isabel, we're sending our, oh, look at the picture. That's so oh, we love what it. What would be and your superpower if you could choose one? Finding other people's superpowers. Oh, oh, oh I love I like that. It. That was better. All right. And Stump Boy in Between Time is available tomorrow. Thank you, Jason. Keep writing. Terrific. Guys, coming up next, the most buzzworthy stories on Today.com, including a debate on whether eating a snack before paying at a grocery store is okay. An influencer doing just that. Get a little bit of heat. Something to munch on when we come right back. No, it's not. Um, No, you pay for it. If you eat before. Back with a very controversial edition of This Is Today, where we highlight some of the most buzzworthy stories on Today.com. Want to read more or weigh in? Scan the QR code at the bottom of the screen. Breaking us down for us today, Digital Director Ariana Davis. Ariana, good to see you. Controversial. This is today. Let's go with the first one. This this hot button issue. Yes. So a lifestyle influencer on TikTok named Cecily Bachman basically posted that she thinks that snacking in the grocery store needs to be normalized, that it's okay. She posted a video of herself checking out, and she basically had already eaten a full package of sushi and was like, sorry, I already ate this. And so everyone online is hotly debating, is it okay to full-on just, like, eat your food in the grocery store? Yes. I, I can tell that Al has some thoughts here. I don't here. have a problem. Look, if, you, if you're, you're buying grapes, those are weighed by the pound, so you can't eat those ahead of time. <laughs> but, you know, Know, a package of sushi that you're going to pay for, a thing of Oreos, whatever you beverage, want. Beverage, if you're thirsty. I, yeah. What? Right? If yeah. you're thirsty, yeah. Yeah. Beverage, as long as you pay for yeah. it. Do we want to live in a world <laughs> where we go to the grocery store <laughs> and, and people are treating the grocery store aisles like it's some sort of buffet? Have you <laughs> ever seen how we eat on this broadcast? Okay, so you t- uh, sushi is a meal. But you take a thing of cookies. That is, I see the distinction. But you take a thing of cookies. Yeah. You are hungry. Now, you're told not to go shopping when you're hungry. But whatever. You're eating and you take a bite of the cookies and you go up and you're like, oh, I already took one. I yeah, I was totally in trouble. Like I'm like I feel like even so if you know why you feel grade, that like, way? <laughs> because it's called stealing. No, it's not. <laughs> if you pay for it, if you put the cookies back, it is stealing. If, if, if you buy them, it is yours. So if you Craig snack one cookie, then puts the bag back on the shelf. To eat in the store. <laughs> Sixty-three percent of Today.com readers said that they would never eat in the grocery store. Thank so just, God. Just well, so free you know. yourself. Try it once yeah. and see how free you feel. Thirty-seven percent. Yeah, they wouldn't eat sushi or they wouldn't snack. They wouldn't open or eat grocery in the store. Good. You can okay. go to today.com to our vote in our poll. Okay. <laughs> tell, tell me about this anti-date 
trend? What yes. is this? So a writer named Billy wrote an essay for us about how in their relationship they were feeling like they were, it was just over the top having to do these like romantic, thoughtful dates. So they mm-hmm. created what's called the anti-date, which is basically thinking of the most pointless, silliest activities they can do and just doing that. So one of the examples they gave was going to Target and blindfolding each other and, and oh, having each other guess <laughs> what candle, what scent is this candle? So just very pointless, silly stuff instead of like these over the top romantic dates. Do you, so well, you want a dinner, you go, you go to your grocery <laughs> no, store and, 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 and some have sushi. some sushi. <laughs> Through the That's a good anti-date. It was Eric's birthday. We had a thing of um, candy bars and I said to my mom, what would daddy pick? And then I went over to him and to see, and it was Kit Kat, and he got it right. Um, you don't have to blindfold and go to Target, but there are fun things you could do at home instead of going to an expensive instead restaurant. Instead of a, a, a candlelight dinner or something over the top. <laughs> you got you a snorting happening. So you got snorting okay, happening. I think that end wants to keep it to romantic dates. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we got to get to the rest of these. Silent walking. People are clicking on the story about silent walking. Silent walking is the latest TikTok trend. Now, it's not a new concept, but it's this idea of going on a walk, wait for it, without anything no phone no dog no listening to a podcast or anything in your in your headphones just walking being present enjoying nature and just listening i'm curious because you're the walker of the group no i i need music i you know i that's see that's not walking that's strolling you know, when you go out and you're just kind oh. of, you're, you're sauntering. Well, this is you're an old walking. concept. The Buddhist monks call it silent uh, walking meditation. So it's not like a new thing. But TikTok is like, oh, I never thought about actually walking without listening to anything or doing anything Ooh, at the same time. That's a generational thing. But yeah, but Al, you're, you know, you, you let us know when you're walking too. I do. So they can't be separated. These, this was very, very, very good. good. Hot Adriana. topics. I love silence. <laughs> very nice. Hey, Ariana, thank you so much. Silence head to, and stealing. Head to today.com for our This Is Today newsletter by scanning the QR code on our screen. You'll get the latest news to your email every morning, third hour today. I'll be right back. I'm hungry. Hey, what's the difference? What is yeah. the difference between wearing a shirt out and a sword? Thank you for being here today. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Hey, by the way, food shopping. tomorrow on the third hour, legend. Wayne Newton. Come on. Wayne Newton is going to join us here in the studio to talk about his Las Vegas residency. And coming up, Jenna's exclusive interview with number one author in the country, Colleen Hoover, the one and only. You're not going to want to miss that. Guys, have a wonderful Monday. Have a great Monday. Go food shopping. Have a snack. Don't do it. All right, do it. Okay, I'm going to go now. Paper. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. 